Hey, Arrested Development fans, today we're back for part two of our season five dissection here on After Buzz TV. We talk all things Fumke, so stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. That's right, let the buzz begin indeed. We have Jeffrey Crane Graham. Hola. Comedy enthusiast. As well as screenwriter and, of course, talent booker here at the network. Yes, sir. Don't you feel like you're, like, walking down the sidewalk heading for, like, a... Like Ron Howard being like, The Blues continued to develop their family. Meanwhile, their family was being developed somewhere else. Something like that. We'll work on that. <laughs> I'm Phil Tech. It's part two of our dissection of season five. Today, as I mentioned, we are talking all things Fiumke. Uh We encourage you guys to check out our part one where we talk Joe, Michael, and Lucille. Yes, sir. So that's that's available to you on whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether on YouTube, however you consume, it's there for your pleasures. Now, a warning to that episode as well as this episode, we assume that you've kind of seen all eight episodes of season five, and also we assume that you've seen all the other seasons to mm-hmm. get to season five. So there's your spoiler warning. We're going to kind of wrap things up and talk about things, not on an episodic level, but as a as an overall level. Connected to that pitch, guys, we are always interested as producers to know how you like to consume this content. So if you're the kind of person who would have preferred episodic coverage of this season, let us know in the comments because we always love fan feedback. Indeed we do. And also, as far as today, we're going to give you some more news and gossip that we've got. And we're going to talk about our the various running gags that have been presented in this season. Tiebacks mm-hmm. to seasons one through three. Some that tie back to season four. Anywho, without further ado, Jeff, what are your overall thoughts as far as the Fiumkes? In terms of our three Fiumkes, if we're going to leave it to them, Tobias, Lindsay, and Maybe, I think Maybe had the strongest material this season. I thought Aliyah Shawkat gave us some really nice character moments. Lindsay was hardly in the season. I mean, like, narratively, she was an important part of the season, but she wasn't in it much. And we've seen better versions of Tobias, in my opinion. I thought... What we got at Tobias was funny, but maybe a little one note. I sort of felt like he was a one-joke punchline this season and not much more. Fair enough. Uh, I, I wouldn't disagree. I think Lindsay... Lindsay, in a sense, is breaking out of her arrested development, and she is developing, if you will. Yes. Um, and as part of that, I think, you know, unfortunately, she doesn't have a place among the blues at the moment. Yeah, at the moment. Ellen's got her locked up in the mansion. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a weird thing to say. I'm sure it was actually mostly because of Scandal. This was the final season of Scandal, and I know they have a very busy production schedule, and she's a big part of that show. So I'm guessing she was not as available as the rest of the cast. Indeed. Well, let's let's start with Lindsay and talk about her. Speaking of scandals, <laughs> she is running for office. Nice. That is a that is you know uh, running for office and scandal are synonymous, aren't yes. they? And of course, that follows the blues because we don't necessarily know which party she's running for as far as her political beliefs. But what we do know is that the the, the crux of her campaign is the blues winning family of the year. Yes, which is. Very arrested development. Lindsay's always been an aspiring social activist. She's never quite gotten there. Um, but I do think this they was... They did raise a lot of money for Hoop. They <laughs> Okay. Just so you're aware. Yes. Oh, Hoop. Help us... Help no, hands off our penises. Hands off our penises. That's right. I knew it was something castration or um, circumcision related. Not castration, <laughs> but something circumcision related. Yeah. So this does feel like a very Lindsay-esque move. Um, I don't know, though. How much is there to say? Well, I mean, 
as far as her, you know, she's finally sort of making a stand against. You could say her family, but more so Lucille. Yes. Who last time, last episode we talked about was um, a catalyst for a lot of the fi- family dynamics. And Lindsay, you know, for for all it's worth, she's she's done putting up with Lucille, and she's ready to move on in yeah. one way, shape, or form. Quite literally. Yes. The irony, though, is, of course, every time she tries to escape the clutches of her overbearing mom, somehow it just ties her in more. Indeed. But now, for better or worse, she's gone. Yes. We thought, you know, well, we'll talk about when we get to Tobias, certainly. We think she's in Mexico. However, she is not. Mm-hmm. And it, it was something we talked about at detail last time was the fact that this kind of is like a comedic murder mystery we've got lucille too but now we end the season essentially with with now Lindsay, and you know the 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 flip at sort of cliffhanger at the end of it is as we discussed from the the perspective of lucille we don't want to win this election anymore right simply because that the the land that we thought was on u.s soil is not actually on u.s soil so it does not behoove the bloofs to win this Yes, it's and a nice so, turn. And you know what? If if there's any sort of foretelling of how things may come, the fact that they forgot about Buster being in jail <laughs> for so long, and everyone just assumed that someone else had uh, had Buster, the fact that Lindsay is no longer actually needed, I think no one's going to do anything about it. Right. I feel like it's not uncommon for the family to sort of forget about Lindsay as well as Buster. Um, I think Lindsay likes to believe that she has an independent streak, even though she's just as needy as the rest of the family. But I think it's always like, oh, yeah, there's Lindsay, you know, living her socially active causes, doing her thing. So I wasn't surprised by this turn. Were you surprised by the fact that maybe join the cause? Mm -mm. Because it's so Arrested Development for maybe to think she's rebelling against her family, but accidentally supporting them. So it, it felt like it was one of these twisted moments of maybe trying to be rebellious, but feeding the beast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, this was the the moment, that, you know, as far as the trailers, right, this was what was kind of pushed onto us because mm-hmm. it did highlight the absurdity, the fact that they are in Lucille 2's bedroom so from uh if you haven't seen the season going into it you're like wait why yeah lucille two's apartment number one number two it's all the blues together right so that that's always great to see and that was a wonderful scene i do think like that was the scene i wanted the whole season to be was the whole family together bantering like that to me is the show at its best and we didn't get a ton of it this season but we did have that wonderful scene indeed indeed we did um anyway so we there's really not much to say. I am. It's more of a, as we mentioned, more of a mystery as to where it goes. And, yeah. and certainly, I hope Lindsay, Lindsay as well. But it is, it is interesting that uh, Tobias really is the one that's kind of. Before we move on to Tobias, I do have a nice quote from Entertainment Weekly. Sure. Um, they were talking about Lindsay, and they said a big part of her plot involves her running for political office on a platform of populist stupidity, a practically necessary Trump riff that would be funnier if Durasi didn't feel beamed in from distant planet green screen it's an mm-hmm. interesting analysis but i do like a lot of critics are talking about sort of the trumpian connections that this season brought us and i i liked them i do think like arrested development it's hard to be funny in the world of trump i think people are so easily incensed and angered by the 
Trumpian climate of the country right now that even for comedians, it's hard for them to sort of take a Trump angle and seem funny without just enraging half of the population. But well, I think well, then, Arrested Development did it in such a subtle way this season that it, it works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of part of humor is taking what already exists and stretching it to humorous and ridiculous notions. Yes. How do you do that without fully crossing the boundary? Mm-hmm. I think when, when the, the line has been pushed further up. Exactly. Um, How do you make satire out of something that already feels like satire? Yeah. But unfortunately, nightmare satire. Ugh, yes. Tell me about um, it. The other thing I was going to say, though, is that in the past, Lindsay and Michael have kind of, they've been the two siblings that have confided in each other. Mm-hmm. And although Lindsay's not in the season that much, Michael, in a sense, doesn't act really care that much about Lindsay. Yeah, I know. I, I think Arrested Development used to be 95% ridiculous, 5% heart. So you'd get scenes, especially with Michael, with his son, with George Michael, or with Lindsay. But I do feel like this version of Arrested Development is 99.9% ridiculous, 0.1% heart. There's not as much sweet earnestness, even if it's just a one moment per episode, as we used to have. And I do kind of miss that. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and like I said, a large part of that was Lindsay, for better or worse, and especially when it came to maybe, Lindsay's advice to her was quite misguided, but uh, I don't know. Somehow there was love. Somehow there was love. Those funkes, they try. Oh, do they try. Or it was the the happy pills, whatever whatever (laughs) those may have been. Yes. Um, All right, so let's talk about Tobias. There's a lot uh, going on with Tobias. In terms of his acting, at least, he is portraying Michael because initially people think that Michael's not going to show up, or certainly he thinks that Michael's not going to show up, and so he feels the best way to portray him is to not shave his mustache, but instead just colorize it. Yeah. The pink the pink hair dyeing was a common motif throughout this season. It's kind of funny. I mean, this was a joke that I laughed at three times. It probably showed up nine times. But I think David Cross is very funny. I think he did the best with the material he was given. But we rode this train a lot this season. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because it was David Cross initially who said that Tobias should have a mustache back in, like, season one. Yes. Uh, And so it's interesting that the writers have kind of kept to that adherence that 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 would be such a character trait of his that he just couldn't shave the mustache to portray Michael. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's always great. I think, like, the desperate, needy actor component of Tobias is something that is so essential to who he is. And, yeah, I mean, it's always fun to see. Well, what's sort of nice in terms of him developing this season is that he has sort of a protege, you know? Uh, Certainly one that comes out of left field (laughs) simply for the fact that it turns out to be his son. Yeah. His biological son. Whatever that means. Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown played by Kyle Mooney, who I I will say I love SNL. He's an SNL regular. I've been a fan of Kyle Mooney since like his good neighbor days. So he was in a sketch comedy group when he was in college with Beck Bennett, who's also on SNL, and Nick Rutherford, who is doing stuff. And the three of them have had a really, really specific take on kind of a Tim and Eric-y look at the world. And I love their, check out their YouTube stuff. They were sort of like, early YouTube in the same way that Lonely Island was. So that's Good Neighbor. But this was pretty funny. Again, it maybe sort of felt like a joke that was played out a lot, but 
still pretty funny, and I'm always here for surprise family revelations on this show because they're funny. Well, I think the problem I had with my, uh, Murphy Brown was the fact that we have we've kind of devalued a lot of the characters. <laughs> Blessings, thank you. It's allergy season here in Los Angeles. That's no, I'm I'm just allergic to stupidity. Maybe <laughs> I don't know, but, but like so, what I. You know, you have Murphy Brown, you have Job, who's been kind of devalued in terms of his intelligence, although he was always that. Um, Steve Holt was kind of that. I, I feel like we have a lot of characters that just are not the sharpest tools in the shed. Yeah. And, you know, generally when you look back at sitcoms, you know, in the past, whether it's that 70s show, whether it's Friends, or uh, I'm thinking uh, a couple of other ones, whatever... Uh, I'm just drawing some blanks, but uh, let's Two say Boy Meets World or something. Th- there's generally just one slot allotted to the the dumb character, right? Yeah, actually, there's a um, an acting coach out here. Oh man, the eight characters of comedy. Brie, look that up, the eight characters of comedy book, and give us the name of that acting coach. He talks about the fact that sitcoms have eight stock characters, and generally, it might be six, but I think it's eight. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, Scott Sedita. That's who it is. Thank you, Bree. Um, he talks about how typically in a sitcom cast, there's only one. There's only space for one of each type, and the dumb one is one of them. So that would be like Joey and Friends. Yes, absolutely. And I guess there's a lot of the dumb ones in the rest of development. Then again, though, Steve Holt has always been kind of a lunk, I think. Yeah, and I don't, I don't mind that, but what I'm saying is because it's not like they replaced Steve Holt with Murphy Brown or something like that. It's... They 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 added Murphy Brown. They made Job even dumber. Yeah, um, and so that's where because I think oblivious is different. Tobias has always been oblivious. Yeah, it goes back to the whole jokes about I blew myself. Right, right? that's it works because it's not that he's dumb. He just doesn't recognize. He doesn't realize he accidentally comes out of the closet like every episode in the first <laughs> season without realizing it. You're, that's a really good point. He's kind of um, he's kind of absent minded. Oblivious is the word for it. But he, I mean, that doesn't mean he wasn't smart. I mean, like, he was, he's a certified anaurapist after all. So, yeah. He went to school. <laughs> and, and, and so to have Murphy Brown kind of fall in his footsteps so blindly, and in essence, kind of, he, he's just a lackey. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. What was he really bringing this season? So, you know, I just, I just hope for maybe more. Uh, but of course, at, I, I guess at the end of the day, this poor kid, like, you can only imagine what his upbringing was. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think about it. Because the thing is, if Arrested Development were to tick one notch further, it would become a tragedy. Like, I think it's as funny as you can get without just really exploring the darkness of what's actually happening in these families. And, yeah, to think about the way Murphy Brown grew up, it's a, a dark world. <laughs> well, that and also this this entire family... You know, we talked about incest quite a bit last time, and the fact that we talked that much about incest yeah. is already frightening in and of itself. A lot of incest. I mean, like, it is funny. If you were talking about, like, the major themes of this show, incest is for sure one of them. Like, the the writers love potentially incestuous relationships, and they show up all the time. Indeed. And even if it, like... Anyway, uh, we can certainly talk about it with Lucille, too, and maybe, but... It speaks I'll, to I'll the so... importance of the show, though, because, like, until Arrested Development... The themes in sitcoms were like, you know, mistaken identities, relationship problems. And then Arrested Development comes out around and it's like 
accidental drug taking, incest. And like these themes are what makes this show such a revolutionary sitcom because to have the tone that this show does with the, especially for network, like the raunchy thematic content that it has was so revolutionary. I think the question to be asked is, does it feel as revolutionary 15 years later? I don't know. Maybe not quite as much because you have so many daring comedy shows. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's that aspect to it. But, as, you know, tying it back to Murphy Brown, I think it's just a matter of what you do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why is slapstick humor still funny as it today as it is then? Like, right. as long as you're doing something new with it, that's okay. Yes, that's a good point. So, um, it, it just... Those things provide the framework under which you can work mm-hmm. rather than hinder you. Right. Yeah, they, they should open doors. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, regardless, Murphy Brown, uh, he, he's, he's learning from Tobias. Meanwhile, Tobias is portraying Michael. Uh, and as he always does, he tries to be such a method actor, learning from Michael firsthand. Meanwhile, Murphy Brown shadows him all the way to his big... Tobias's big thing is finding Lindsay. His wife, for a number of reasons, but mainly because he was told to do so. (laughs) And it leads down, everything leads to Mexico. Um, And I love the fact that nothing really gets resolved, and yet he feels so important doing it. Like, like he's, his main thing is always wanted to be part of the family. And the fact that he's tasked with this uh, adventure, if you will, it, it just gives him something so beyond himself. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Tobias's whole journey on this entire show has just been, like, identity insecurity. Just kind of trying to figure out who he is, because he has no idea who he is. He's not related to the Bluths, but he's always wanted to be something. He's wanted to be an amazing anarchist. He's wanted to be an amazing actor. He's wanted to be an amazing... Actor. Actor, exactly. Blue Man Group member. An amazing never nude, an amazing not gay husband. And of course, he's never been any of these. So for him to at least feel like he's contributing to the Mexico of it all was very Tobias, and I thought very funny. Maybe I haven't been the perfect husband, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However, you see, only only he can say it the way he says it. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, you know, the fact of the matter being that uh, serendipitously, he does not actually find Lindsay, but uh, which is... Not good for the blues, but great for him because he he finds Debris Bordeaux. Debris Bordeaux, played by the brilliant Maria Bamford. I think none of you guys were probably surprised to see Maria Bamford. Mitchell Hurwitz also created the show Lady Dynamite, which no one watched but was amazing. So that's another Mitchell Hurwitz show on Netflix starring Maria Bamford. It's wonderful. It's insanity. And it's if you like this show, I promise you also like Lady Dynamite. I just had to shout that out real quick. Indeed. What's funny is, so this is kind of a callback to Lindsay finding her boyfriend, her new boyfriend, and then um, certainly Tobias was toying with the idea of a relationship with her. Yeah. They they did the whole Fantastic Four gimmick and so forth. And now because uh, they're, the, her boyfriend, uh, Lindsay's, we'll, we'll call him boyfriend, yeah. uh, can't actually see well, he mistakes debris as actual Lindsay, <laughs> and essentially she's kind of like a slave in this whole thing Lindsay or debris well the the person they think is Lindsay, which is debris yes yeah marie bamford's known for playing like these tortured anxious characters interestingly she's kind of like that in real life she's been very public about struggles with anxiety and bipolar disorder it's a lot of what her stand-up comedy is about so it's uh astutely casted for sure well when you talk about you know pushing the envelope of comedy 
certainly prostitutions has been joked around on Arrested Development before, <laughs> but but never as much as with the de- 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 debris. Debris was that that was this season as well. I yeah, because like... she was. I, I don't you know right. She was doing the deed, if you will. Yeah, for it's... for money. It's a good point. It is interesting. I feel like this would have played very very funny ten years ago, with all of the discussion around you know agency and the female hollywood experience that we've um kind of uncovered in the last nine months i'm not sure it's quite as funny as it used to have been but maybe i'm just a snowflake i don't know (laughs) maybe yeah maybe i mean you know i find it funny because here's the thing what 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 makes it funny is not that she's a a woman necessarily like i think it, it could just as easily been played by a man it's just funny True. because tobias who is seemingly you know uh closeted has never you know sort of come to grips and so you know this this could be like the type of person he'd want to be with because um she mm-hmm. makes him feel better than himself like the <laughs> fact true. that she has more problems than him <laughs> which is uh you know addiction and so forth and, and he mistook her problems as method acting <laughs> Oh, that was that was probably for me one of the highlights of season four. Mm-hmm. I, I think what was a shaky season, a lot of the drug addiction stuff in season four, I thought was its highlight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and so the, you know and the fact that even though he like he's such an opportunist in in this odd way, despite mm-hmm. things never going his way. Um, you know, even just back to his first quote, "How's how's the job search going? It's good." It's going to be good. Um, so in this way, even though he doesn't find Lindsay, he's like, we have an opportunity. You will have the greatest performance of your life as Lindsay. Yeah. And there she goes. And uh, yeah, oh, dear Lord, this was, uh, th- this was a recipe for disaster when he brings her back. Definitely. Well, speaking of opportunities, Phil, I want to talk about some opportunities that our fans have with our networks. And guys, that is the opportunity to subscribe to our YouTube channels. Now, listen, I know some of you guys get nervous when you hear the word subscriptions, because in today's email spam world, you'll assume that subscriptions mean being inundated with emails or notifications. But I want to tell you... Or money. Or money. But in the world of YouTube subscriptions, all that stuff is customizable. So I want to tell you guys about the advantages to subscribing to our YouTube channels. Listen up, guys. From dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more, there's no network that works harder to serve television fans. And we need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. To clarify, we have eight different YouTube channels, guys. You're on the comedy channel right now. But we have a channel devoted to drama after shows and reality TV after shows and animated after shows. So check out some of those channels and subscribe. Because by subscribing to our channel, YouTube will actually suggest content that's tailor-made for you. And you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. Again, if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be because they're optional. So hit that subscribe button right now for this channel and check out our other YouTube channels as well. And let us know that you did in the comments and we'll shout you out. For now, thanks for being the best fans ever and for helping us to be the true ESPN of TV talk. Darn right. I will say, guys, I've been subscribing more and more. I was kind of skeptical, as I know some of you listeners are, but I was like, I'm going to try it out. If I'm going to be pushing this new initiative, I should do it. And I've loved it, Phil, because I'm getting literal recommendations for YouTube of stuff I like, like other great Arrested Development insight. And that's all because I subscribed, and there's no notifications. So it's only good for you, and it's only good for us. Why wait? Subscribe right now. And unlike the Bluths, uh, campaign promises this is not empty words <laughs> nice transition phil well you know it's absolutely good. yeah um 
someone who ties into both Tobias and maybe is Steve Holt. Steve uh, Holt! Certainly more so than, uh, more so Lindsay, or sorry, maybe than Tobias, but nonetheless, it, it, in this season, it's a running gag that no one recognizes Steve Holt. <laughs> Part of this is kind of funny because the actor looks way different, and it was almost to me a bit of a joke at the expense of the actor because I do think he's maybe gained a little weight. Like, I think, like, early in this run, he sort of did look like an athletic bro, and now he sort of looks like a pudgy dad. <laughs> I don't know if I'm being rude or not, but well, I think, I think it's also, it speaks to that. That culture, like, a, you know, the best years of a lot of, unfortunately, <laughs> athletes, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, remember that high school football game? Right. It's and true. It's like, that, then what, what else you got? Right. Yeah, and that's definitely, if we're talking character alone, that's definitely Steve Holtz. So that's a, that's a good way to put it, Phil. Indeed. So, um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe he did put on role, weight for the role. I have no clue. Maybe he did. I'm sure, you know what, if you're on the cast of Arrested Development, I feel like you have to be game for everything. Because the writers and directors in the cast prioritize jokes and funny above everything else. So I'm sure he was excited to embrace that because it was funny. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Tobias gets in on that joke, but mainly it starts with Maybe and George Michael, who... Kind of the big thing of of Maybe's whole journey has been re refriendshipping George Michael in a way. You're right. This was a good rebuilding season for them, and you know that awkwardness of kissing cousins remains in the distance. Um, but ironically, I would say this time it's more Maybe who's pushing the agenda than George Michael. Yeah, I would definitely agree, especially because George Michael's so tied up in the rebel of it all. It is, I will say, the 0.1% of heart we were talking about, I feel like it was between them. To me, they had the most civil and earnest interactions of anyone else in this family. Well, this is ironic to say, but they had the most honest ones. Yeah. I mean, apart from maybe never, apart from them never sharing their true feelings for each other, whatever those may be, uh... Yeah, everything, every other part of the family is built on distrust and lies. You're right. And they were often confiding in each other this season. Indeed. So, interesting. Uh, the, the three of them, Steve Holt, George Michael, and Maybe, travel down to Mexico. They sure do. Um, in fact, it's Maybe and George Michael that mess the entire season up because they look like, um, they look like Lucille too, driving off to Mexico in the stair car, which is the picture... That resolves Buster of everything until George Michael tells, of course, uh, his dad about it. Yes. Classic, classic misunderstanding. And uh, so, you know, what, what I did appreciate about Maybe's character, apart from the George Michael interactions, was the fact that it continues her role as this... Um, Con artist? Certainly, yes. And so she's no longer working in the studio system, but now she's Lucille Two's sister. <laughs> I liked this. I thought this was funny. I don't know how much it really had to do with anything, but it was funny. It was fun to see Maybe in her costume. I think we have a photo of it right now. Um, and it was funny. I feel like Maybe's been pushing for romance throughout this whole season. So it's funny that the first time she really gets reciprocated love, it's from Stan Sitwell. Yes, but that is built on lies yet again. Yet again. But uh, it's always good to know that... Uh, when we retire, Jeff, we can look forward to amazingness. <laughs> it did seem kind of nice. Well, that, that was the whole joke was that, uh, yeah, they make it seem crappy so no, no one young gets in on it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, a lot of soft serve ice cream. 
a lot of great soft serve ice cream. Now, as far as Maybe's concerned, though, with the Sitwell relationship, uh, she appreciates she appreciates the love, but is not willing to obviously get physical. Yeah, I think we've seen this in Arrested Development before, right? People riding the advantages of unrequited love. Mm-hmm. You know, what can I get out of this? How much can I get based on how little I can give? I think we saw that a bit with Job and Veal. I mean, Plant. And Who? her? Um, like, but I feel like that's a common theme in this show. Absolutely. One-sided and, romance. And what's great about it is that it certainly... It, it uses a reoccurring thing because Sitwell, of course, did love Lucille, too. Yeah. And, and that whole notion, uh, you know, speaking of incestuous, like, everyone's <laughs> gotten a ride with Lucille, too, at this point. <laughs> but nonetheless... <laughs> Um, the fact that, of course, because just because she's Lucille Two's sister, that's what he's really drawn to. Right? Yeah, it's it is very incestual. And Ed Begley Jr. I will say, I think he's great in this role. I have to quick shout out. We've had him in this building before. Popcorn Talk fans, there's a wonderful show. That's our sister network. For those who don't know, there's a wonderful show on that network called I Blame Dennis Hopper, hosted by the unparalleled Ileana Douglas, and she did a wonderful um, hour-long interview with Ed Begley Jr., and it's definitely worth checking out. He's the nicest guy. Indeed. And great in the show. Look at all that. You're like, wait, Dennis Hopper? What does Dennis Hopper have to do with Ileana Douglas? Well, she blames Dennis Hopper. She blames him. So therefore, Ileana Douglas's show (laughs) had him on. Yeah, find out why. Go check out the interview. Indeed. All right. Um... Really, though, um, you know, as as far as maybe, like, she didn't necessarily... It's ironic because she did move the plot along quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of all people, I think she has remained the truest to who maybe is and was. Yeah. And, you know, in an odd way, like, again, I mentioned it with Lindsay, the show's called Arrested Development, and it's obviously a play on words, but I think she, out of all people, has remained arrested. Yeah, you're right. She has developed the least. Correct. Which is what the show should be. Well, at the end of the day, some people, you know, sometimes you can move laterally, uh, and <laughs> maybe certainly falls in that category where she continues to develop laterally. Yeah, definitely. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, that's as far as the few games are concerned, that's the major stuff. Of course, there's minor things we can get into, but. Brianna, you mentioned that you were impressed. I know you're a theater person, and Brie is always great at noticing costuming and makeup and you were impressed by the 70 year old version of maybe yes yeah i thought they did a really good job with the costuming and i was kind of almost laughable just at the little differences that you would make to be that over the top like ant like i'm trying to think of the right word for it the colorful ant in your family <laughs> the matronly with the overlined lips like <laughs> like she took the lip liner and just kind of did a little higher up on her top lip to create yeah. that put on the little the fake nails the short wig and the glasses and that was it and like transformed you com- her completely into this new person absolutely also just the connection between her and her dad <laughs> of costuming is great that's true yes that's actually in our running gag segment shall we transition yes indeed let's talk about all the various running gags and this season of Rust Development. Jeff. So, Bree, thank you for mentioning that. Um, I think it's easy to see the connections between Maybe and Mrs. Featherbottom. So there's a scene um, where Maybe is... <laughs> she's looking in the mirror dressed as 
Lucille's sister, and she says, oh my God, I've become my father, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty funny callback to Mrs. Featherbottom. Mrs. Featherbottom! Mrs. Featherbottom! Woo! To me, that's the moment where Tobias jumps off of a staircase balcony and smashes into a glass coffee table dressed as a Mary Poppins knockoff. <laughs> I think is one of the funniest things the show ever gave us. By the way, she's become her father, but like way better at it than he <laughs> ever was. It's a great point, Bree. Um, I think I was at the perfect age to just think that Mrs. Featherbottom was just genius. I remember literally doubling over and falling off my couch when I saw that. Well, part of it is you also you're, you're of the generation who saw and loved Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, so that also helps because the new generation is like, what? Yeah, R.I.P. Robin Williams. Such a such a important piece of cinematic history um i really liked in terms of running gags this google knockoff being blurred out all season Mm -hmm. they to the tiniest details where someone would log on to a browser in the distance and you would notice that it was blurred off at the top of their screen it's some of that actual physical editing that i think the show sometimes really nails in fact emmy nominations came out today and i will be curious to see if arrested development got any editing noms overall i don't think they should because the Howard's party, we haven't talked about it, but I saw editing issues out the wazoo. But some of these specific editing jokes that the post team is committed to are wonderful, I think. Mr. F is back. Of course, Mr. we get a F. Mr. F. We get a new version of Mr. F, which hopefully that's something they bring every season. Um, what else? Oh, okay. Michael asked George Michael, are we good? After telling his son that he's seeing Rebel Alley, who George Michael is also dating, which is the exact same... <laughs> oh, right. So Job kept asking George Michael, we good? When he was dating Plant. <laughs> and Michael also kept asking George Michael, we good? While he was dating Rebel. Pretty funny. Um, <laughs> when Michael leaves Sudden Valley, he leaves a note. Why, Phil? Because you always leave a note. Because you always leave a note. This was very, very subtle. Um, there's a callback to bees and beads. Um, this was so confusing. You had to explain it to me, and then I got it, but it was just... So, this, is like, this is like calculus-level jokes. There's a season... There's an episode, I think it's in season three, and again, I should have taken... I think, two, I think one or two. Where there's an industry built around beads... But Job thinks it's built around bees. And he, bees? Yes, exactly. And he's mishearing it. Then he is hearing geo beads. He, he thinks he's hearing bees, but he's hearing geo beads. And he was hearing something else. And that's a callback to his inability to distinguish between the words bee and bead. That kind of blew my mind when I put that together. It did not because you had to... The fact... Look at how long it took you just to explain that. Whereas beads... And bees, it's just so funny because it's just so similar. And right. it's like, wait, why don't you understand? It's beads. <laughs> bees? I, it's definitely like a, th- a joke that's been threaded four times. But let us know in the comments. Is this bee bead confusion joke <laughs> too inside baseball? Or is it funny? I, it personally blew my mind. I like it. I think, Phil, it might not be for you. But wait, let us it know blew com- your mind when you read it. When I re- Well, that's sometimes that's what Arrested Development is. It's just... <laughs> Digging into the archives of the brilliance of some of these layers of jokes. Uh, okay. I thought this was hilarious. The Milford Academy marching band. Not playing. <laughs> Neither seen nor heard. Barely seen, never heard. It's Well, yeah, that's what the, we're seeing from the band. But again, children should be neither seen nor heard. So, of course, their marching band marches down the road. 
<laughs> I very much enjoyed that callback. Indeed. I'm sure I'm missing a ton, though. So in the comments, let us know any running gags we might be missing. Absolutely. And let us know your, your favorite ones. Yes. Um, I actually think, well, uh, I, I, the, the, the suit, the George Michael suit, that's yes. another callback. Which Good I, call. I think, in a sense, uh, I, I know we talked about uh, Maybe's kind of whole costuming being a callback to her dad. But I also think like part of it um, is a callback to that as well. The disguise as a catalyst for a romantic relationship moment. Indeed. Because even Job, if you think about it with Tony Wonder, mm-hmm. is using discreetness and mystery to try to claim his love. Illusions. Illusions. Yes, uh, sir. Indeed. Indeed. All no right. Emmy noms for Arrested Development. Yes, indeed. So that's what I was going to say. So why don't we head into our news and gossip? After Buzz TV News. Yes, Jeffrey. You served it up on a platter only to show disappointment. There yeah. are absolutely no Emmy nominations. Sorry, guys. For Arrested Development. They were eligible this year, right? Was it timed? That's the only thing I'm thinking. This is something we should know as TV critics, but I, I will say the eligibility periods for Emmys always confuse me. So I'm 95% sure they were eligible this season, but I actually, it's not my hill to die on. Mm-hmm. So, well, I also think Netflix just in general has, there's so much that stuff that they're nominated for this year. And, you know, I think in their grand, in the grand scheme of things, the things that they're pushing is going to be different one way or the other especially given the pr surrounding the show this season indeed did you see though the news about netflix nominations uh what particular news the fact that they have quite a lot of nominations not only do they have quite a lot but they're leading this year it's the first time in 17 years that they overtook hbo in terms of nomination numbers yes indeed. the eligibility period went through may 31st 2018 so they were eligible they were okay thank you brie see brie is just an invaluable piece of our team Um, I'm not surprised they didn't get any Emmy nominations. I think with all of the socially conscious comedies that came out this year and the controversy surrounding Jeffrey Tambor, there was not a lot of hope for this season. No, no, there was not. However, the positive news is that uh, there's a lot of great articles out there saying that season five is funny as it used to be. A couple of uh, quick hits. This is from DBK News. Old jokes resurfaced naturally without feeling gimmicky or forced. Bits regarding the current political climate and the blue striking similarity to the Trump family made the show feel modern and as strong as its competitors. Um, in season four, the cast seemed disconnected and weak. In season five, the eccentric Booth family dynamic was strong once again. And Ron Howard's characteristically sharp narration and blunt humor was reminiscent of early seasons. Ooh. Um, Do you agree with that last one? Uh, at times, mm-hmm. at times, you know, I think, you know, we certainly, when it came to the Michael stuff and especially like that first season, or the first episode of season five, it was just so heavy. Yes. But once they, in, in later episodes, they pared it down. They did. You know? And I, I think we talked about it um, in part one at large was the fact that they had to kind of declutter what had happened with season four. Yeah, because that's that was a good just, way. And, you know, in, in the short amount of time of eight episodes... I think they did a decent enough job of it. Overall. Yeah. It definitely got better as the season went on. Yes. And uh, Rutland Herald does uh, sort of echo it. Um, what yeah. publication is this? Rutland Herald. Oh, the Rutland Herald. I thought that was the first name you were saying. No. <laughs> I heard you say Rutland Herald. That goes this and this. Uh, Mr. Herald, what's his take? Uh, he, Hurwitz expressed his regret for not paying close attention to the dispute between Walter and Tanborn. Um, he also defended the decision not to fire Tanborn, stating that he believes um, 
Amazon hasn't shared details with him, and on their set, there was no sexual um, harassment allegations, a point that Jessica Walter has made as well. Um, also, um, to, 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 here we go. Um, they also share your sentiment, in fact, about how the uh, sort of longer narrative storytelling has hurt the show. Oh, interesting. Um, they, they feel it's best when it's kind of episodic. This is the Rutland Herald still? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Rutland Herald. I know. <laughs> I prefer if it's just Rutland Herald. Um, and, however, here's some not-so-good news. In TV Guide, David Cross goes on to say how the he's unsure of the future of the, you know, the series because chaos, there, there was chaos during the production of things. Um, a lot of the scripts came in last minute. There were changes, oftentimes, and... Uh, there's negative responses in the New York Times um, interview that he did as well. And so, you know, he's obviously on the inside of things. And so if he's not that positive about it, that doesn't mean, you know, he's right. Right. But certainly offers a better viewpoint, you would think. If I had to conjecture, I would guess that David Cross also might be trying to distance himself from some of the backlash he received based on his conduct from New York Times. I don't want to speculate, but it's interesting. His wife, Amber Tamblin. Um, has been a very, very vocal champion and supporter of Me Too and Time's Up. And I think she was especially appalled by the way that interview went down. So I don't I don't want to project, but part of our job as hosts is to, you know, throw out every possibility possible. And I'm wondering if part of that sentiment is him trying to distance himself from really the circus that's been surrounding press for season five of the show. Indeed. Well, it's interestingly enough, just like the circus that is the Bluths. I know. I'm like, part of it, I'm like, it is kind of feeding into the mythology of the show. Indeed. Well, we're going to be wrapping things up here today. This has been part two. Uh, as as mentioned earlier, you can check out part one where we did talk about Job, Lucille, and Michael, of course. In the coming weeks, we're going to do more parts where we're going to talk about... Um, we've, we've got other characters to talk about, right? We've got um, We've got George Michael... We've got um, we've got Oscar. We've got Oscar. We actually have um, George too. George, yeah, the OG, the OG, the um, the yeah, the original and, George. And uh, we're we're going to talk about some of the side characters as well. So mm-hmm. lots to discuss. Um, the Howards too. The Howards. They were all over Bryce, this season. Howard. Howard. Uh, the, lot the of Howard co- color. A lot of gingers. Yes, indeed. Including George Maharis. Yes. We might have to talk about George Michael and George Maharis <laughs> as two separate entities. Of course, Buster. We haven't even talked about Buster. Oh. Lots of people to talk about. And anyway. Tony Hale is my favorite, so I'm excited to talk some Buster. Indeed. Hey, brother. <laughs> and with that, that about does it for us today. Please let us know your thoughts and opinions. Um, also, let us know what you would like us to talk about in the future episodes when we discuss these characters. That way we make sure to, you know, structure as such. Mm-hmm. As it is such, as how does it go? <laughs> and as it is such, so also as such is it unto you. That's right. That is our that is our motto. We want that for you, whatever that means. Yeah. I still don't know what that means. No one does. That's the show. Um, on behalf of at Jeffrey Crane Graham. Yes, sir. At Jeffrey Crane Graham. You guys can find me on Twitter right there. Comedy fans, we're reading a comedy-influenced animated pilot on the TV pilot review show I host on Popcorn Talk. That'll be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Check that out. And I'm at Phil Svitek, and thanks Bree Phipps over in the booth. We'll see you guys next time on another Arrested Development. Bye.
from executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.